So glad that all of you are here. I want to say before we get started, uh, no matter where you come from or how you got here, uh, like we say every time we gather, when you're with us, uh, we really believe that we're a part of a family. We set aside our differences at the door for the one thing that we have in common, that we're all looking for more in our life. We believe that more comes from God, specifically Jesus. And uh, that being said, you don't have to believe like us to belong with us. And so uh, whether you're here new, maybe you're somebody who has been a believer, somebody who believes in Jesus for a long time, now maybe you're new to faith. Uh, our prayer for you is that you would find a place to belong where you can find strength and wisdom and support for your life. Uh, and I say that to say you're already here. In fact, we're going to pray in just a second. And uh, you showed up here because you're looking for something. You're looking for more. You have questions about things in your life. And uh, the fact that you're here, uh, I don't think it's by accident. And uh, my challenge to everybody every time we gather is always that we would open our hearts in a way that only we can choose to do individually to hopefully encounter something that's bigger than us, to encounter God in a real and tangible way. And so I want to start off our time together, even as we uh, kind of just engage in scripture, the Bible. Uh, with just a word of prayer, those of you that are watching, even on YouTube, uh, I'm going to pray. Can we just pray together, so open our hearts together, and just ask that, that God would speak to us today. God, we just thank you for an opportunity to gather together as a church family. Uh, this morning, as you have already so uh, graciously done with your presence that we can't even articulate or communicate and put into words through this moment of worship, uh, but that you would continue to help us to open up our hearts to you this morning. God, I, I, I ask that specifically because I just believe that there's many people in this place that we want to be open, but it's difficult because we have trust issues. We have a journey that's been difficult. We have questions in our minds. We've been hurt. We've been burned. All these kinds of things. God, would you even help us today? Would you help us to create space for you to do something in our lives? For those of us, God, that have been a part of following you for some time, God, today we open our hearts to you afresh again. Would you speak to our thoughts? Would you speak to our hearts. Would you help us this morning to see and understand things that maybe we've never understood before? That you'd help us to hit our mark, that we would hit our mark, that we would accomplish the thing that you put us on the face of this earth to accomplish. God, we ask for your help this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's open our Bibles to the book of, uh, of Luke, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I'm going to start reading in, in verse 38. I'm going to read out of the New International Version uh, this morning, uh, NIV. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says this. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home uh, to him. Mary, uh, Martha, Lazarus, these guys were all friends of Jesus. The Bible says that Ma Martha opened her home to Jesus. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Uh, the New King James Version, verse 39, says it like this. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Uh, verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. By all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus responds and says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. He says, but few things, everybody say few things, are needed or indeed only one. And then he says this, Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I think I told you guys recently how... Uh, my nine-year-old just started playing flag football. It's kind of a new thing. Uh, he's like really excited about his friends that are kind of getting into this. And uh, 
And it's really crazy, first of all, to have a nine-year-old, like he's halfway to 18. And I know that doesn't really mean much in this culture. Some of you are 25 and still living at home, so I know that, I know that we still got like a road to walk. Uh, but it's still a little bit mind-blowing to think that he's already nine years old. And he's like super into this flag football thing. He goes to a small uh, school, and so they have a lot of away games and things like this. Uh, but as he started playing flag football, I've actually, you know, I thought that I would learn a lot about him, but I've actually learned probably more about myself than I have him. I've learned that I am totally that dad, dude. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, he's had two games, and I already, from the sidelines, yelled at a coach, the other team's coach. I just shouted. I should, I'll tell you the story. So, so the, the coach, there's one of the kids on our team, you can see how I'm frustrated still about this. There's one of the kids on our team that mumbles something. The coach on the other team says, excuse me, what did you say to me? And he comes walking to the sideline. I, don't, I, didn't, I, don't even, I didn't even think about it. I said, hey, he's a kid. And then he had the nerve to give me one of these hands, you know, like this, like I, I, I got this. And out of nowhere, I said, I said, hey. And he goes like this, I'm a teacher. And without thinking, I said, well, it's a good thing it's not a classroom. It looks like a football field to me. I think we should keep the game going. And then he goes, yeah. And then he goes. Then he goes like this, just this disrespectful. You know what I mean? But I was disrespecting him. But also he was disrespecting one of the kids. That's not what the story is about. Anyway, my, my son, totally into the flag football thing. As they were playing the second game where I yelled at the coach, though, the, the team, the opposite team was playing unfair. Mind you, though, this was not the real issue. The real issue was that my son's team was down by at least 20 points, right? At least 20 points. But when the other team starts playing shady, all the kids start getting upset. Our, our team's coach even starts getting upset, like, oh, this is unfair. And then I watch all the kids. All the kids start talking about how unfair this is, right? Like, how unfair. Like, they're cheating. I can't believe they're cheating. So they go through this whole game. Uh, they finish out. Like, the coach say, come on, let's have good attitudes, be the bigger people, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the, the game ends. When, when the game ends, I pull my, my, my son aside. And when I pull him, pull him aside, I say, hey, I've watched this game, and uh, I've seen you guys play, and... When you go and get on the school bus to head back to your school, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get on the bus, and everybody's going to want to start talking about just how unfair that game was. Everybody's going to want to start talking about how the other team were cheaters, and did you see what they did, and did you see how they, how they played, and did you see how that coach was, 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 was treating us? These are all the things they want to say. But, I, but, but Elam, I, I want you to remember that even if they didn't cheat, you guys still lost by over 20 points. <laughs> I said, so I want, I want you to realize, did, was what happened unfair? Absolutely. Was, was the way that they were playing unjust and wrong? Absolutely. But if you guys would have paid more attention, played a little bit harder, maybe practice more, kind of up your game, I think that you guys can get so good that no matter who you're playing that cheats, you would have ability to, to win the game. He said, okay. So he went home, or he went got on the bus, we came home, he ended, up, he ended up on the bus, like talking to his, some of his friends about this, I was a proud dad, I said, did you hear me yell at the other coach, and he said, oh God, dad, that was embarrassing, and so we, we <laughs> I tell you this story because I think in life we all want to be winners, we all want, this is what we've been talking about, we all want to find a way to get ahead, we all want a way to, a way to win the game of life, to somehow get an advantage, to somehow beat the opponent, in life, the thing that we feel like we're up against, whether it be a situation uh, that we didn't see coming, whether it be internal turmoil, we all want to be winners. We find out on this journey, though, that winning is not always as easy as you think it would be. And when I'm not winning, when it seems like I, I can't seem to get an advantage, when it seems like I can't seem to get this quote-unquote favor that we're talking about that God seems to promise, 
uh, we have this human tendency instantaneously to start pointing fingers at everybody else, trying to figure, here's what we're trying to figure out, why am I not winning? Where, where is my advantage? And you'll find this in your life. You probably find yourself doing it because I find myself doing it all the time. The reason that I'm not winning is because I, I haven't had the, the, the right opportunities. Or the reason I'm not winning yet is because I don't, I, don't have, I don't have the money. The reason I'm not winning yet is because my relationships are not where they want to be. I have a friend who uh, hosts a, a, a radio show here in town. And uh, I was having a conversation with him one time. And he's the kind of guy that just is, he has low empathy for people. And he's like, people who tell me, you know, I, I would love to get in shape and I would love to go to the gym. I just don't have the time. He says, you know what I tell them? I said, what do you tell them? He said, get up earlier. Like it's this kind of guy. We all have the same 24 hours in the day. And whether you say it like him or or whether you say it like I'm saying to my son, this is the overall concept or principle that we're communicating in, in, in life, the the, the greatest enemy to your favor, the, the, the greatest enemy to you seeing the advantage that is right before you, the greatest enemy to you winning, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's not your boss, it's not your spouse, it's not the government, it's not, it's not politics, guess what, it's not even the devil. The, 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 the greatest enemy to you walking in your advantage that God Almighty desires for you to walk in, you know who your greatest enemy is? Your greatest enemy is you. When, when you read the story of, of Martha and, and uh and, 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 and Mary in, in the story, and you, 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 you begin to kind of look at it and, and look at the, the whole perspective of what's going on. Martha has invited Jesus into her home. For those of us who subscribe to the idea of Christ being the Savior of the world, this is a picture of an advantage being, I'm not talking about favor following you, I'm talking, it's sleeping in your bed. Like it's staying in your, it's staying in your guest room. Martha has invited Jesus into her home, yet finds herself frustrated. Cannot see, cannot see the advantage that she has, not because she doesn't have it, but because she is in the way. Favor works like any other uh, thing in life, like money. Money is just money until you spend it. Favor, your advantage is the same way. It's, it's, it's just an advance. It's a gift that has been given to you by God that you will not activate. It will be impossible for you to walk into it if you don't see that you have it. And most of us are blinded, blinded by what's in our own house. You know why? Mm, because of us. We're, we're, we're like the elementary kids on the flag football field. They're cheating. They're not playing fair. They're, they're, what they're doing is, 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 is not, is, is not just at the end of the day, though. It's, it's not them that's keeping you from the life that you've always desired. It's you. You see, Martha, it seems like Martha has a Mary problem, but Martha really doesn't have a Mary problem. Martha has a Martha problem. Martha's issue is written. Notice that it's not Jesus that comes to Martha and says, Hey, Martha. I don't know if you notice, but Mary is kind of uh, acting a little more spiritual than you. Maybe you could like put the food away and the preparations and come put, put first things, put first things. But isn't it funny how we kind of spiritualize this? You know, we, we think the story is about who is more, who is more spiritual. First and foremost, can we identify who we are in this story? Because we like to think that, oh yeah, come on, Martha, Martha, why don't you, I mean, you got to put God first, Martha. In reality, in the story, in the narrative, I'm not Mary. In, in the story, in the narrative, who, who, who are we? I'm, I'm Martha. 
I'm the person who is frustrated and finger pointing, yelling at elementary football coaches. Do you understand? When we look at the story, but the story is not just about spirit, spirituality. It's, it's, it's really about how, how do I get myself out of the way so that I can see what's in my house? If you're going to be able to see the advantage that, that is afforded to you, that God has for you, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You're going to have to learn to make peace with yourself. <laughs> you're going to have to learn to make peace with yourself. This story is not a story about who is more spiritual. In fact, if you understand the recesses of Scripture and the actual characters within the context of this text, you would understand that Martha is actually somebody fundamentally that probably would be somebody who seems a little bit more spiritually hungry for the things of Christ than actually Mary. What Martha is the one who has invited Jesus into her home. Back in this day, this was a huge honor and a privilege. This is somebody who was seeking out spiritual practices. This is somebody who not just invited to his home, but she wants to make sure that he has the, the, the most pleasurable experience so that he could focus on ministry. She wants to do her part so that he can do his part. Talk about spiritually hungry. When you go kind of through the context of scripture, back even in history when Lazarus, remember the story when Lazarus is dead and Mary and Martha are frustrated because Jesus doesn't show up? Well, Jesus finally comes into town two days later within the text. You know who it is when they find out that he's in town, that they go out searching for Jesus. Where Jesus? I heard that he showed up in town. You know, at first glance, if you're just looking at the story you're reading, you're thinking it's probably Mary, but it actually wasn't Mary. It was Martha. This story is not the story of, of spirituality. It's, it's showing us a, a, a different picture. Mary and there's, there's nothing wrong with Martha. Martha is just different than Mary. What am I talking about? Martha's more analytical. She's more pragmatic. She's probably like some of you. I want to know where are we going? When are we going there? How are we going to get there? If we're going to get party, who's getting the cups? Who's making sure that we have all the food? This is, you don't have a party if you don't have Martha. At the same time, you don't have a party if you don't have Mary, because Mary's the type of person who's emotional. When she gets this, she wants to give everybody hugs. Oh, we're so glad that you're here. This is the type of person that, that, that Mary is. When, when Mary sees Jesus in the story of Lazarus, she doesn't go out looking for Jesus. But when she sees him, you know what she does? She falls down at his feet worshiping. They're, they're just different. This is why I talk about if you're going to get yourself out of the way so that you can see what's right in front of you, you're going to have to make peace with yourself. Most of us in our life, if we're honest, we are not happy with us. We, we spend our, and because we're not happy with us, we spend our lives, and I can't get, I can't get on this soapbox enough. We, we, we spend our lives wishing that we were somebody else. I wish I had their life. I wish I could, I wish my kids acted like their kids. I wish I was as smart as them. I wish I was outgoing as them. I wish I was quieter like them. And if it's not me wanting to be like somebody else, you know what it is? It's the same thing that Martha's wanting to do. I want everybody else to be like me. And even that in nature is selfish. The reason I want everybody else to be like me is so that I feel better about being me. If you're going to get yourself out of the way, you got to make peace with yourself. Why? Because if you don't, you'll find yourself in the same position that Martha finds herself living your life distracted. What is distracted? I can't, I can't even see what's in my house. I can't even see the favors following me. I can't even see that I have an advantage because I'm, I'm distracted. Thinking, thinking what, what is distracted? I'm focused on the wrong thing. I'm thinking maybe I need to be more like... Really, the issue here is Martha is looking over at Mary, probably feeling insecure because she, what she sees, it seems like Mary is one-upping me. I wish I was more emotional. Have you ever been there? 
I, I wish I was a little bit more touchy feet. I wish I was a little bit more logistical and organized because as much as I try to be organized, it seems like, like I can't. And at the end of the day, if you don't learn to make peace with your per, and I'm really talking about personality. You think this is silly. I'm telling you, it's fundamental. You have to see that your personality is not a problem. Your personality has a purpose. What, 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 what hear that again. Your personality is not a problem. As long as you spend your life hating yourself, you will never have the capacity to move the ball down the field as it pertains to you having the life that you've always wanted, that you've always dreamed about having. There's a reason that God put you here and the reason that he gave you that personality. Do you know that everybody has a different normal? You, 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 I mean, you think you, and I don't think that we really stop and think about this. This is every, we, we all have a different normal. This is like when you get into personality t- testing and some people hate this stuff, but it really helps you understand. For me, like the Enneagram has helped me understand people because basically the whole concept is this, that it breaks down into eight different uh, personality types, which means there are eight different normals in this room today. M- meaning whatever you think is normal, there's seven other groups of people that don't think that is normal. And I think, I think this is actually the, the ultimate sickness that we have is because we think that everybody is running on the same uh, operating system, but we all have a dip, different operating system, but it's not accidental. It's intentional because God put you on the face of the planet for a very specific thing. But as long as you're trying to be somebody else, you will never see the favor that God has for you for your journey. For, for your journey, you will live your life distracted. And I think the thing about distraction is most of us don't think we're distracted. <laughs> how, do you, how do I know if maybe I, I'm not at peace with myself, if I'm distracted? I think in modern times, for those of you who use social media, when you go on social media and you start swiping through pictures and you get that feeling on the inside of your gut where you feel less than because of what you see, you have not made peace with yourself. Why? Because I'm frustrated with what I, whether it be another business, another organization, another family, another male, another female, another school, another, another, whatever it is. When I see that and I feel less than, what, what I'm communicating to myself is that I wish that I had what they had because somehow them having what they have, I think in my mind is this confidence and lack that tells me that because they have it, that means that I can't. I have to find a way to make peace with myself. Otherwise, I leave myself distracted. How do I know if I'm distracted? Same. Look at, look at, look at, look at Martha. What, what does she do in the midst of her distraction? She looks at Jesus and say, says, don't, don't you care about what I'm going through? When you haven't made peace with yourself, you begin to feel like nobody cares. You begin, which is funny because it's this whole idea of you think, you think that you ending up where you're supposed to end up has something to do with whether people care or not. They didn't put you on the face of the earth. God did. When I live my life distraction, I become fascinated. I become distracted with whether you care or not. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if people around you care or not about your life and your pursuits and what you're doing. It matters if God cares. God cared so much that he put you on this planet and handcrafted you with an intentional personality because he has a purpose for you. When you spend your life in the pit of despair wondering if people care, you will never be able to see what is in your own home. And when you feel like nobody cares, what do you try to do? Same thing that Martha did. You try to control. 
When I feel hopeless, when I feel vulnerable, when I feel like nobody cares, all of a sudden I try to control. I try to control my outcome. I try to control the people around me. What if she looks at G? Can you do something about her? Can you, can you make her help me? You'll find yourself manipulating. You ever found yourself doing things, asking yourself, why am I doing this? I don't even feel good about my behavior. I don't even feel good about the way that I'm treating people. I don't even feel good about the way that I'm, why am I reacting this way? Fundamentally, when it comes down to it, it's because I, I am in the way because I have not made peace with me. If you're going to be able to see the favor of God that is following you, the advantage that you have, you're going to have to fight to get yourself out of the way to realize, this is what I'm saying, that the way that you are is not a problem. As long as you see yourself as a problem, you will always be a problem. Him again. As long as you see yourself, your business, your organization, what you're doing, as long as you, <laughs> I hope you hear this, as long as you see yourself as a problem, you will always be a problem. God doesn't see you as a problem or he wouldn't have put you here. So what am I saying? I have to, I have to, I have to find a way to fully, completely be Okay with me. I don't need to be more outgoing. I don't need to be, I don't need to be more like them. I don't need to have the same person. There is purpose in my personality. Now hear me this morning. Coming to terms with who I am is not the same as condoning how I am. Here, here, coming to terms with who I am, you have to, if you don't come to terms with who you are, I'm talking about your normal, your baseline. You'll never be able to see what's right in front of you. But coming to terms with who I am is not condoning how I am. Because after I make peace with myself, you know the second thing that I have to do? I have to make war with myself. <laughs> what? Yeah, after I make peace with myself, I have to make war with myself. In other words, there's things about me, they may be me, it may be normal for me, but there's things in me that need to change in order for me to get to the place that I want to be. But I'm no longer approaching it from a mindset that I'm trying to fix a problem. I'm approaching it from a mindset of I'm trying to develop my potential. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying to fix me because I'm a problem. What is it? If, if a car engine goes bad, I need to replace the car engine because the car is broken. Okay, that's trying to fix a problem. I'm not talking, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I, there's th I have to go to war with myself because there's things in me that have to change in order for me to become the person I'm going to become. It's like, it's like a piece of coal, right? A coal that in, in, in the end will become a diamond. Is there anything wrong with coal? No, coal can be used as fuel, but it has more in it. And I'm here to tell somebody this morning is you may be good for something on your own, but you have more in you. This is why you can't just be content with how you are. And while I have to, while I have to, for, and I can't, I can't truly do this until I've made peace with myself. Until I learn to, to make peace with myself, I, I will, why, why can I not, not truly do it right? Because I, I will always be trying to fix me as if I'm a problem. It will never work that way. I have to realize that I'm not a problem, and because I'm not a problem, I see that I'm, that I'm actually full of purpose, and because I'm full of purpose, I want to actually develop my potential. If all I do in life if all I do in life is make peace with myself, you know what I'll be? A victim. And I think this is, this is what we have in our society. 
This is what we have in our world. Teaching everybody, just be whatever you feel is who you are. Just make peace with yourself. Just be okay with you. And it's powerful. And fundamentally, like you have to start there. But all you ever do is that you will become a victim. Why? Because this is just the way that it is. This is just the way that I am. This is the way that my mom was. And this is the way that it's going to be because this is normal for me. And I'm here to tell you, if all you ever do, all you ever do is make peace with you, you will live your life as a victim. But you weren't put on the face of the planet to be a victim. You were put on the face of the planet to walk in victory. Victory, to live a life of favor, to go from glory to glory, faith to faith, mountain to mountain, to become something more than you to become something more than you started out started out being. If, if 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 Martha, take this story for example. If all Martha does is just come to terms with Martha, Martha still has issues. Why? Because her operating system lends her, as Jesus says, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Why, why are you worried about and upset about many things? Because this is how, this is, this is the byproduct of Martha's normal. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you know what this is like, but if you're a Martha personality, you understand what this is like. If you're a perfectionist personality, you understand what this is like because you live your life constantly worried and frustrated because there's something in you and you hate it and you wish that you were different, but you're not. It's how you are. And so you live your life right because what's this, what's this whole picture? If I can come to terms with who I am, I still have issues that need to change. If all Martha does in her life is make peace with who she is, she still lives her life worried and upset about many things. What, what, what is this? We see this in our world today. Worried and upset about many things. If you go into the, the, the translation of what that word means in the original language, worried, you know what it means? Anxious. A anxiety. Mar Martha, you're normal. It leads you to be anxious, to have anxiety about many things. I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second because I feel like somebody's life needs to be saved today. There are people in this room who struggle with anxiety. But can I tell you something? You have to determine in your heart whether it's your personality, whether it's your job, whether it's the things that you're doing or the way that you were brought out. Just because you deal with anxiety doesn't mean that you have to stay there. You have to determine I will go to war with the things in my life that have to change. I heard someone say one time, and I absolutely disagree with the way that he said it, but I agree with the principle. They said it like this. I hope that I never stop hating myself. I don't agree with that terminology. I don't think it's great terminology. But the principle that they're communicating is this. I hope I never stop working on me. I hope I never get tired of saying, you know what, that needs to change. I may be anxious, but I don't have to stay anxious. I will war, and I will fight, and I will do things, not because I'm a problem, but because I know I have more in me. I may start out as a piece of coal, but I got diamonds in me. I got things in me that if I don't develop, the world will never see the person that I was put on the face of the planet to become. And I'm here to tell you, especially in a world that tells you that, oh, it's just anxiety. I guess we're going to have to medicate. Can, can you, under, you understand? Do you understand in this place that, that you have, you have, and the reason I'm passionate about this is because there's somebody in my, in my sphere of influence. This past week, a, pa a pastor, the age of 30, commits suicide. Takes us, these, these stories are becoming more and more familiar. Why? I don't know how to deal with the anxiety. And I'm here to tell somebody today, suicide is not your way out. It is not your way out. Don't stop fighting. What, what am I talking about fighting? There's going to be times, man, you're going to have to look. This can't, this is not just how it is. I'm going to have to talk to somebody about it. Can I, can I tell you that you're, the, the way that you, we, we talk about working out our body, we talk about doing things in our life, taking care of our natural self. Did you know that your, your mind needs to be worked out? What, what am I, let me just get really practical. If you brush your teeth every day, 
If you take a shower every day, you should be taking care of your mind and your mental health every day. What am I talking about? Prayer, meditation, your mind is a muscle. A five pound weight to my four year old son is extremely, extremely heavy. A five pound weight to me is not that heavy. Why? Because I've grown and developed and I've developed my muscles. And so even though it's still weight to me, it doesn't feel as heavy. Your personality may lend you to anxiety, but just because it lends you to anxiety does not mean that you have to stay there. Somebody needs to strengthen that muscle. Somebody needs to say, I'm going to make peace with myself. But at the end of the day of making peace with myself, you better believe I'm going to make war with myself. Not because I'm a problem, but because I have potential. Hear me, dad, on the verge of suicide. Your kids need you. Hear me, mom, on the end of, on the edge of just throwing in the towel. This world needs you. I know you can't see it. But man, if you're going to, if you're going to see what's in your house, I know what you're dealing with seems real. It seems real to Martha too. <laughs> Martha, you're, you're, you're anxious about, about many things. I, I have to realize as I make peace with myself, I also got to make war with myself, not because I'm a problem, but because I'm full of potential. He says to her, he says, you're worried. He says, you're worried and you're upset about many things. Worried means anxious. You know what upset means? If you, it's, if you go into the original language, it's actually a concept. It's beyond a word. It's a concept. And the concept is this. You're worried, you're anxious, and you're upset. Otherwise, you've identified that the, the, the responsibility that you have is more that you can carry. That's the concept. This is what he says to Mary. Mary, I mean Martha. Martha, Martha, you're, 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 you're worried, you're anxious, and you have identified that what you have is more than you can actually carry. He says then few things, few things are needed, actually one thing. It's kind of like this progression that, that I'm talking to you, like make peace with yourself, make words. Few things, but actually it's leading to one thing. And the reason, the reason I talk about the few things is because you really wouldn't see and understand the one thing if we didn't talk about the few things. Few things are needed. Actually, one thing is needed. And then he says this, and Mary, Mary has, has chosen that one thing. You see, Mary isn't better because she's more spiritual. Mary's better in the story. And the reason that I want to be Mary is because Mary has made a better what? Choice. What? You see, after I, after I make peace with myself, I have to at some point make war with myself so that I can ultimately, the, the one thing, the main thing, the thing that Mary, Mary did, I, so that I can make a decision. Make peace with myself, make war with myself, so that I can make 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 a decision. Mary has Mary has chosen, she's chosen a better thing, and because she chose that better thing, what she has cannot hear me. What she has, the advantage that she has, her position and proximity to the, the, the favor, the advantage, what she has, no no one can take it away from her. Why? Because of what she's chosen. Well, what does she choose? See, see, Martha invited Jesus into her house, but then she wants to decide how he behaves while he's in there. Martha, here, what, what is the question? What, what is the decision? Who's in charge? What, what, what is the, what is the choi choice that I'm making? And how did Mary choose that? Who's in charge? Who, who's in charge of your life? Who's in charge of your finances? Who's in charge of your future? Who's in charge of your mental health? Who's in charge of your relationships? Who's in charge? You know what? I think most of our lives, we live, we live our lives like Martha. 
Jesus, come into my house. Come into my house. But Jesus, tell her, tell her. What what am I, what am I talking? I'll invite you in, but then I want to tell you how to act once you're in. How many times do we do this? Come and bless me. Come and do the things that I need you to do. God, come change my life. God, why aren't you fixing my relationships the way I want them fixed? God, why aren't you fixing my finances the way that I want them fixed? God, how come this doesn't look like I want it to look? What's the question? Who's in charge? How, how has Mary chosen something different? This story, it's not about perfection, it's about position. What is Mary's position? At the feet, at the, at the, at the feet of, of, of Jesus. What, what, what is this? This is more than just a little position. It's, it's, a, it's a picture. It's a picture of what? Humility. She says she listens at the feet of Jesus. In other words, you're in charge. I invite you into the home, but then I take my position. And my position is not the place of authority. You are in the place of authority. And here's what Jesus is saying. (laughs) When you put me in charge, you have chose something better. Because when you choose to put me in charge, no boss, no neighbor, no, 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 no political system, no stock market crash, nothing can take away from you the thing that you've chosen. Why? Because you're not even in charge. I can't even mess it up. Why? Because it's not about my perfection. It's about my position. But I would have never seen it if I didn't determine in my heart that I was going to make peace with myself so that I can get myself out of the way, to make war with myself, to ultimately realize that the burden that I have to carry, the responsibilities that I have in life to have the life that I want, I can't carry it on my own. Which brings me to a place to make a choice. Really, I've talked all of this this morning and ranted and hopefully done all this stuff for for the purpose of asking you, who's in charge? Who's, and I'm not talking about a theoretical, you know what to say because you've been in church for a while. I'm talking about if you want, if you want to be the type of person that doesn't miss out on, what am I saying? So uh, this is the whole principle and concept of this series. You're not waiting for favor. Favor is chasing you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. It's always on the prowl. It's all, it's all, wherever I go, it, I think most of the time, it's not that it's not there, it's that I can't see it. And the reason I can't see it is because I'm in the way. It's because I'm, they're cheating. The way that they're playing is unfair. Yep. <laughs> Isn't it funny, Jesus? Like, doesn't even get into it with Martha. He's just like, Martha, okay, Martha, okay, we get it. Mary has made a choice. And because of that choice, this is not up for discussion. Because of her choice, nothing can be taken. The favor it can't be taken away from her. In your life today, here's my challenge to you. If it seems like you're distracted, if it seems like no one cares, if it seems like you're plagued with anxiety, if it seems like you have more in your life, to carry than you can, maybe it's time to give up the reins. And not just just in theoretical principle because it's what we do when we come to church. This is the fundamental concept of, once again, surrender. I will let go of my idea of how I think things should look. Why? Because I'm making a choice that's better. Is it always easy? No. You think it's easy? You think it's easy making peace with yourself to 
to come to terms with the fact that you're an introvert in a world of extroverts, that's not easy. You think it's easy to, to come to terms when everybody celebrates the people that are charismatic and outgoing and all this kind of stuff, and you're not, you think that that's easy? No, it's not easy, but if you think it's easy to have to get up and tell people that you yell at elementary school coaches? That's not easy. <laughs> but it leads me down a journey. If I want to see what, what might be already here, what if, what if the thing that you're looking for you already have, you just can't see it? What if the thing that you're looking for is already in your house because, because you invited it in and you can't see it? You, you've been praying for it to show up, praying God would you, and he's like, it's already there. Hello. How? But I'm blinded by me. So when you get back on the bus of life today, the tendency is to talk about all the things that are unfair. How you don't have the job because. How you can't be happy yet because. How you're anxious because. And I want to encourage you just like I encourage my son. To choose to see that if you would make the choice that Mary made, the choice that was better. That not even those losers that are cruel and unfair and unjust could keep you from the life that God has for you. Would you stand to your feet all across this campus? I want to take a second before we go. And I want the band to sing. And I really want this to be more than just a standard moment of application. I'm going to ask that nobody leave because I feel like I need this, but I think that we need this as a church. I hope that we need more than just good preaching and inspirational rhetoric. I hope that we realize that these are fundamental principles that if I can get it, what, what if it was just as easy as that to get things to shift in my life? To remind myself, I have made a decision and I am not in charge. Can we take a second all across the room? Would you close your eyes with me? And I'm going to ask the band to sing and I want you just to engage in worship with God. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the posture of Mary. What is the posture of Mary? Humility. I'm here. I'm here to learn. I don't know it all. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in charge. I choose, I choose to trust, to trust you. I think for many of you today, this really, this shout out goes out to a lot of you that have been Christians for a while. It's this, because it's this weird tension in life. You show up to the table needing God so desperately and then you start on the journey and you think, I kind of think I got this. You don't got this. Just because you open your home to him, just because you're serving him and cooking meals for him, doesn't mean that you can do life without him. You need him in your house. Can we take a second just right now where you're at? The band leads us. Can you just, just maybe sing along today? Jesus, the center of my between you and God. This may be foreign to you. All you got to do is real simple. Just, just close your eyes. If you don't know the words, just close your eyes and just be in this moment. Just soak it in. That simple. Some of you who are new to faith or spirituality, it doesn't have to be weak. It's just literally like, I'm opening my heart to a new concept, a new idea, a new thing. God, I invite you in. God, this morning we invite you in. We need you. We need you, God. God, we, we make the decision. Remind ourselves, we recommit. I think it's a recommitment. You are in charge. You're in charge. You're in charge. My life brings, my way brings anxiety. My, my way makes me frustrated with me.
between between you and God, right out of your mouth. In fact, I want to go. I want to go to the other song that Ashley sang, uh, and I want to sing the bridge of that song specifically. In, in this moment between you and God, I want you to just before we go, we're not going to be here very long. But with your eyes closed, can you just out of your mouth tell God? I think sometimes we're we're, in, we're we're surrounded by moments, but don't engage in them. Just right now between you and God, what is the thing that you feel like maybe you need to just voice and say? For some of you today, it's centered around making peace with yourself because your main frustration is you, and you know it. And you try to make it like it's other people, but really you know it's you. For some of you, you have just been so content with you that it needs to be, I'm determined to make war with me. I'm not, I, I, have too, I have too much potential to spend my life just drowning in anxiety and depression. I'm going to get serious about it. I'm going to quit living in shame because of what I'm struggling with. And I'm going to come out and talk about it. And I'm going to go get counseling if I need counseling. I'm going to work my mind like I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to war with me. I'm not going to be okay with these defense mechanisms that I have because it's my normal. I, I'm making, I, I am capable of more. I am capable of more. I have diamonds inside of me. I will not just remain cold. Cold is fine, but there's more in you. For some of you, it's just deciding in your heart that, you know what, I know this stuff, I know this stuff, but I, maybe I've slipped a little off track and I'm just reminding my soul, he's in charge. Come on, right now between you and God, out of your own mouth, just maybe in a whisper, just right now between out of you and God. Sing it, babe, whenever you're ready. Come on, right out of, out of, your, out of your own mouth. Out of your own mouth. Out of your own mouth. choose 
the one thing. I dare you with the conviction of your heart this morning. I believe there's more happening in this atmosphere than your mind can even comprehend. There are things happening in your soul. I declare over you there are things that God is restoring in this moment that you have tried to restore through counseling your entire life. I just declare the chains are being broken in your life. Why? Because his word was settled in heaven a whole long time ago. And when we lift our voice, when we position ourselves in a posture to remind ourselves, hey, you got this thing covered. You got this thing covered financially. You got this thing covered relationally. You got this thing covered physically. When I realize that it's already been written, everything that he has done, he has already done. I can align myself to see that everything that I need for the journey, I am fully equipped with. Let's lift our voices and sing it again. Your word has been settled in heaven. So God, let it be done in my life as it is in heaven. God, we make the choice that's better this morning. want to be frustrated with our situation or our surroundings, God, that it would echo in our ears, who's in charge? Who's in charge? Who's in charge? And that the fact that you cannot lie would continue to be an anchor for our soul, that because your word is settled in heaven, we declare that your kingdom comes, that your will is done on this earth. In our life. Maybe you're here today, you never made a decision to place your faith in Christ. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We believe we spend forever somewhere. If you've never made a decision to place your faith in Christ, those of you who may be watching on YouTube today, I want to give you that opportunity to pray it out loud. I'm going to lead you in a prayer where a family so nobody prays alone. For some of you today, I did this last week, but I think it's not just inviting him into your house, it's letting be him and letting him be in charge of your home. This is the difference between allowing calling him your savior and making him your Lord. Can we lift, lift our voices and pray this out loud as a family? Everybody say it. Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart. I say out of my mouth, you're the son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe you came back from the dead for me. Say this. Say, today, I call you my savior. 
but I make you my Lord. You're in charge. Say this, Jesus, help me to hit my mark. Help me to live the life that you put me here to live. Say, I trust you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.